You're listening to Mr. Bex Talk Sex. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Ames Bex and you're listening to Mr. Bex Talk Sex, the podcast where we talk to porn stars, sex educators, sex workers, a pervert next door, about anything related to gender and sexuality in the LGBT community. Uh, it's been a fun week. And hey, it's Thursday and I'm posting this on Thursday. I'm doing my homework. It's happening, guys. I hope you all are having a great week. I have lots going on. Uh, we started with Monday, which was uh, the Gay Super Bowl, also known as RuPaul's Drag Race finale, which was great. I went to Metropolitan Bar, watched the show. It was great. Uh, I'm really excited that Bob the Drag Queen won. Uh, she is someone that I've known for years. I actually competed in a competition like years ago called the fag hag pageant of New York when I was indeed a fag hag and she was one of the fags representing a hag so it's, it's pretty cool I remember that was one of her first times doing doing drag and she was going by kitten with a whip at that point um, it was before she switched to Bob the Drag Queen so it's, it's really cool to see someone that I've followed for a while here in New York doing some big things. Uh, so I, I have some shows coming up. Okay, so so before I tell you about these shows, I'll tell you, I uh, for some of you who may know, I used to perform stand-up comedy for a while. Um, I, I did this for about five years. I moved to New York City to be a comedian. Um, and just life got in the way. And I stopped. You know, a, a lot of that has to do with it's, it's really hard to perform and really talk from a place where you have a voice when you're not really sure what your voice is. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, transitioning. You know, there was a point where I, I, I certainly didn't know that I was going to transition, but I think that it was really difficult for me to really speak from a place of where I knew who I was. So I'm going to give it another shot. Um, it's, you know, uh, sometimes it's hard because I feel like I'm just too old now. And it's time for me to be a grown-up and do grown-up things. But this was my dream. And, you know, if you don't give things a shot that you were hoping for, you're going to miss all those boats. So maybe I missed one, but it's going to happen. So I have a show coming up. I'm performing next week, next Tuesday, May 24th, Tuesday at 8 p.m. at the Sidewalk Cafe. It's actually a show for first-time comics, for people who want to try stand-up for the first time. It isn't my first time, but it is my first time. Um, and I'll be doing that. The producer of the show is So Say the Elemental Wizard, who's someone who I performed with many times when I was producing shows years ago. So I'm really excited for that. Again, it's at the Sidewalk Cafe, which is at 94 Avenue A in New York City on Tuesday, May 24th at 8 p.m. And then on Monday, June 6th, I'll be performing on Foreplay at the Delancey from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. I'm actually the featured performer on that show. And uh, it, I've talked about this before, but the show is a storytelling show where you can go and tell a story about sex, desire, and romance. So there's tons of different performers from all walks of life telling stories about sex, desire, and romance. What could be better than that? Nothing. So go check it out. Again, June 6th, 8 to 11 p.m. at the Delancey. And then... 
on June 8th, I am producing a pizza party called Trans Pizza Party, which will be at Rizzo's Pizza, 17 Clinton Street, from 4 to 8 p.m., which is their happy hour. They have some great specials. If you go from 4 to 7 p.m., there's a dollar pint of beer and glasses of wine if you purchase a slice, a salad, or a panini. They have $2 pitchers, $2 pitchers of beer and bottles of wine with every large specialty pizza. And then $3 pints of beer and glasses of wine, and you don't even have to eat anything. You can just go, get your $3 beer and glass of wine, get a little buzz, meet some new friends, network. It's going to be great. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to put this together for people to have a chance to meet other folks outside of a nightclub and outside of a support group and outside of the internet. You know, it's great to, it, it's the spring. Let's leave the home. Let's do something inexpensive. Make some new friends. Network. You make it a job. You might, you might meet some really cool people. It's great. Um, and again, you don't have to be any... Everyone is welcome, regardless of your gender or sexual orientation. We want everyone there. But, of course, this is geared for the trans community, and it's just going to be a really, really great time. So I, I want to get to my guests now. Ryan Caldwell is on the show. She, she is someone that I met about a year ago. She actually inter interviewed me for some research, and she is a queer feminist academic She's interested in understanding and developing new theories of gender and complex ideas about identity performance, which is totally on my alley. Kind of awesome. Um, she's the type of professor that if I walked into her classroom, I would probably never leave. And she's, she's just incredible. She's a really amazing person. She has graduate degrees in sociology, philosophy, and women's studies. And she's currently a sociology professor at a private liberal arts university in southern california and also a sister of perpetual indulgence in california she's great without further ado let's get to this interview here from ryan ladies and gentlemen and everyone else all genders ryan caldwell so i'm here with ryan ashley caldwell who is here from California. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm glad that you were able to, we were able to connect when you're here in town. So what are you here in New York for? Uh, well, I actually came here to see one of my good friends, Iggy Berlin, uh, perform live. I always joke with him that I wouldn't be able to see that until I was 50 years old, just because we live on opposite coasts. Uh, but it turns out, yay, before I'm 50, I got to see him sing. So You've never seen him at all? You guys have been friends and you've never um, had a I, chance to? I've never seen him sing uh, independently, okay. you know, by himself at an event. Where was he performing? Um, he was performing at an event called Shanghai Mermaid. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anything else that you're in town for? Um, just kind of relaxing and, yeah. This room is, this, this is like the nicest hotel. What, what is this place called? Um, it's called the Redberry, my friend. It's Seth, gorgeous. Seth Apper at Access Travel. <laughs> like, there we are. It's nice. I mean, all New York hotels are small, but... I have to say. I, mean, I know, I can screen. fit my luggage in here, so that's a, that's a bonus. <laughs> I mean, but they, they're, they're really, there's no furniture. That's the yeah. thing about New York hotels that are really kind of interesting. But it's, it's beautiful in here. Um, we just had a drink, and I'm really <laughs> excited to see you. I haven't seen you since the summer. I know, right? Um, yeah. So 
Uh, Ryan, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, you, you know, you call yourself the drag professor. Can you tell yes. me a little bit about your your work at Soka University in California? Yeah, definitely. Well, I finished up my education actually at Texas um, A&M University in 2007, so I have a background. Um, I have graduate degrees in sociology, uh, philosophy, and women's studies, which is basically um, studying gender and sexuality. And so I originally, kind of straight out of graduate school, uh, started researching uh, war crimes. And interestingly enough, you probably don't know that. Um, war crimes? War crimes, yes. Oh, from what like you're doing now. I'm right, like, you're like, what? what the hell? <laughs> okay. Um, so I actually worked as um, on the defense for uh, three of the trials, the Abu Ghraib trials. Um, okay. So for Lindy England and Sabrina Harmon. And Javal Davis. Okay. And so I did that for about a decade, and I actually wrote a book. It's called Ball Girls. And uh, it was about my experience with those court martials. Um, and I did a couple others that were out of Afghanistan and another one out of um, Iraq. And after I did that for a decade, I, I mean, that was... That was really taxing. It was really depressing. Okay. <laughs> and, and you were doing this work out of Texas? Um, well, out of Texas and then after I had gotten to Soka University. Okay. So I was still doing it there. I mean, I had flown to Germany. I had flown to Seattle. Uh, just different places where the trials were taking place. Some did take place in Texas, definitely. Um, and I was al always with a focus on gender. Um, I mean, Lindy England is a lesbian and so I'm sorry not Lindy England Sabrina Harmon is a okay. lesbian and so um, I always thought that was really interesting like how did that identity and gender play out as well as if you look at some of the uh, abuse that was taking place at Abu Ghraib um, it's very homoerotic and so I always had kind of an interest in how social theory and feminist theory queer theory might engage some of those topics so after about a decade of that I thought, okay, this is a bit much. Um, how can I change my focus um, while still, you know, using some of the same theoretical lenses? And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to start uh, trying to still doing the same thing I'm doing, but instead of looking at war crimes, I'm going to try to uh, continue developing theories of gender and ways to understand identity and the body. Um, by looking at performance art. And so that's where I kind of invented the name drag professor, uh, just as sort of, you that's know, so great. I know, right? Like a social media that's kind so of great. thing um, to publish with. I have a webpage, dragprofessor.com, um, to kind of solicit interviews with people, um, performers, artists, drag queens, whoever it might be. Uh, to understand their identity, how they exist in the world, how they embody their identity, uh, so that I could come up with theories about possibilities for people who might identify as queer, trans, whatever it may be, because I really think it's important to empower others. That's incredible. So when did you first become interested in studying gender and identity? Wow. Um, probably without knowing it, it was when I was very young. I mean, I identify as queer. I don't... I may look very femme, but I don't, I certainly don't identify with the roles of okay. that. Um, it was kind of interesting. Uh, I was just asked by my university to speak um, for like Women's History Month. They wanted to know, well, you know, Ryan, what does it mean to be a woman? I was like, well, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, so I kind of identify outside of uh, the roles of like womanhood. 
Um, but I do uh, identify as a feminist, as um, a queer person. Um, so I never asked you. Do you use the pronouns she? Yeah, I okay. do use the pronouns she, um, but I don't think that it's meaningful for me. Okay. So I think it's just more of an issue of convention. Yeah, so That's it's cool. kind of like, hmm, whatever. Right. It totally. seems to be meaningful for others, so there it is. So your students, I mean, like, just looking at you, like, if you were my professor and I walked into the class, I would be like, I just hit a gold mine. I mean, my teacher has purple hair. Yeah. You're, like, cool as hell. <laughs> I would never, I would just, like, keep failing your class just to keep taking it. I mean, that's honestly, well, I've never, you know, I've had very few professors that I just really have kept in touch with and identified yeah. with. And, I mean, I'm also interested in the work that you're doing. Yeah. So that yeah. would be, I would just... Literally, you'd have to be like, okay, you failed this class three times. <laughs> um, so what are some of the classes that you teach? Right, right. Well, it's funny. I have had students walk into my class and turn around and walk out thinking that, wait, this can't be a professor. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, some of the classes I teach, uh, I teach feminist and queering theory. Okay. I teach a class called Body and Embodiment, okay. uh, Sexuality and Power, um, as well as a range of other just kind of general education requirements, okay. you know, like Intro to Sociology. Uh, social and cultural theory. Um, so I'm very much a theorist. Uh, okay. So not kind of like your normative um, sociologist uh, who might, you know, be collecting data in terms of uh, like numbers or statistics. Okay. Um, so I'm always interested in kind of like uh, sometimes qualitative stories, um, but a lot of the time I'm interested in kind of like theoretical possibility. Um, and kind of expanding how it is that we think about identity and okay. gender. So um, I just recently taught a class here in New York um, that I got a grant for called the Philosophy of Art and Aesthetics. And what I was really interested in that class was trying to get students to think about not only their relationship to how we look at art, but what that means to them and how they can sort of process um, art into uh, making sense of their own identities. So it was, I think That's it was really, really cool. transformative. I mean, if my- Where did you travel to? Where, like what places did yeah, you Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we went to the Museum of Sex. We went okay. to, uh, you know, I try, I guess, you know, we went to kind of all of the, you know, I guess what we would say the classic <laughs> museums, right? MoMA, yeah. um, all of that, but um, the Guggenheim, things like that. But I really wanted them to realize that, you know, art is kind of all around you. So it doesn't necessarily, I mean, we were here for like the major snowstorm. We got snowed in. Oh, that's right? art. Right? Gosh. Exactly. That's what I was telling them. Look outside. You're like, you're, welcome to New York. Yeah. Like, you don't have boots. You're like, I, it's yeah. crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was, was kind of, I really wanted them to see how, um, you know, art in itself, even how different people are theorizing like well what is art does that count as art do you think that counts as art well why you know and okay. so it was kind of interesting because I would send them off in the city um, for an afternoon or something and then I would start receiving these texts you know Ryan I'm standing in front of this painting and I'm crying and I just That's can't incredible. thank you enough I know I felt oh my gosh really I've done incredible. something and I don't know if this is a good thing but I think it is you know <laughs> and so it, yeah, it was really it was really something. That's cool. Yeah. Do so you have tons of performer friends in the city? Did I do. You, were you able to take them to see anyone perform? Yeah. There? In fact, um, we did interviews with quite a few of them. Uh, we interviewed um, Iggy Berlin, Chip Cirrosis, uh Jimmy Sprinkle. Okay. Uh, Sprinkles. And so the kind of really cool thing was uh, they were able to ask them, you know, how is it that you know, your art and your performance art and your identity, like how, how has this process 
um, made you the person that you are? Right. What have some of the difficulties been? Um, we interviewed a fashion designer um, by, by the name of Cindy Waters, okay. and she was able to kind of walk us through this, um, you know, kind of break down some of these like idealized understandings of like the fashion world, like, hey, it's not all wonderful. Here are some of the problems of capitalism. Right. Here are some of the things I saw when I went to China. Um, we uh, worked with Alok from Dark Matter, who was really able to get the students to think about how like um, performance art and like spoken word um, can help them kind of address some of their fears, people that, um, I guess have caused them maybe moments of, I get you know self reflection and doubt can you know how that kind of moment of, I guess insecurity can really be a moment of power for them, uh, so it was really this like kind of reflective thing where we can think about how we've done others wrong, um, apologize to ourselves for that, apologize to others, and move forward. It's a, it was a moment of responsibility and That's taking really cool. taking an account of oneself, and I think that that was really what the entire class was about. Um, oh, wow. we got to interview uh, Horachada, an untitled oh, queen, <laughs> about Bushwig, of course, cool. um, and the idea really of uh, community and what drag means for a community, right. what drag even is to yeah. them. Oh, it's too bad you couldn't take the students to that. That's I know, one of right? The most, like that, you know, in my whole time in New York, that's been one of the most amazing, just everyone in the community is together. There's the empanada lady who's, you know. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, it's just, it's a really, it's a really great. Um, so are these students who came on the trip, are, is this, um, was this required of them or was this like an extra curriculum? Yeah, so every student, uh, we're on a thing called a trimester. Okay. So we do, it's like a, I guess like a pregnancy. <laughs> um, so we do, right? We do a fall, <laughs> a spring, and then a January semester. Okay. And so we had to write a competitive grant. Okay. Um, which uh, we did receive as a class. And the class uh, basically had to fill out applications to apply to participate in the class. So I was only allowed to take 12 students. Okay. And uh, they were from all ranges of like concentrations, so cool. environmental studies, you so know, they were willing humanities. To come. They were oh yeah, they to wanted to come. Okay. They all in fact uh, participated in writing the grant. It was like a thirty five page grant. That's they amazing. all yeah, they all participated in what it was that we studied, how we studied school. it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. It really is. It really is. So yeah. it was like hands on and the whole point was how are we gonna create meaning in our lives while we're here studying, you know, That's a rigorous cool. academic study, but you know, how, how are we gonna do something more than just take a class? Right. Yeah. So just a little bit more on, on your theory, how do you think that your theory on gender intersects with society? Yeah, so uh, I'm definitely trying to work that out. I mean, that is what I think my career is about, but uh, I think that it has to be something about possibility it has to be something about empowerment, and it, it, there has to be a dose of community okay. in there. So um, I realized that as I was working towards um, receiving tenure at the university level, which is kind of like you know the prize, right, for oh, yes. an academic, um, that if I wasn't making my like abstract ideas, um, you know, if I was going to write another book. Uh, it had to sell to more than just, you know, like my mother and my family members, right. you know, and like the 12 other people and, in academia that care about these things, I mean, right? that's a typical thing, even with photography, you know, I think, yeah. like, you know, it's really great to photograph all the nightlife personalities that I love, but I want people to actually have my art on their walls. Right. Than just their mom and their right. best friend and their roommate. So right. how is this going to, you know, 
contribute to like society's right. Whole. If it doesn't mean anything to anyone right. else, and if it's not changing anybody else's life, then I don't think I've done anything right. really. And so I started to think about well, how you know how how is this important? You know, and not really. I think that it became because I wanted it to be important to me as well, right. and so I saw an, a moment where uh, I realized that I could, I needed to really, um, not only just for myself mm -hmm. because I found I found it very um, meaningful for myself as well, but I thought that it could also influence how I could think about um, gender or identity or embodiment or any of these other, you know, many other ways that we think about identity um, and the performance of identity, um, I thought that it might be interesting to sort of join a community um, that was focused on some of these similar issues. Okay. So I started doing activism, well, really a continuation of activism, but in Los Angeles with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, so the LA House. And uh, so I'm Sister Electra Complex. Amazing. Do you get to choose your name? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. Okay. So I figured, like, well, why not do some so like good. obscure Freudian, you know, psychoanalysis name? <laughs> and of course, I had to explain that to all of them. I'm like, well, here's what Electra Complex means, you know. And then they thought it was hilarious. Um, what does that mean? Um, it basically is based in like penis envy. So okay. they thought it's like the opposite of the envy. of the Oedipus complex, right? So it's the Electra it. complex, right? <laughs> um, right? So I That's thought that really was good. hilarious. And uh, I thought, you know, well, what better way than to, you know, try and bring some of these, like, really abstract theoretical ideas um, to the community level and then also have my experiences with activism kind of reflect in how it is that I think about gender and identity. Um, and it's been really great so far. So um, the way that, and, and in fact, I'm able to sometimes bring, you know, my students to uh, activist um, moment, you know, like um, events, right. whether it's like at uh, food banks or you know, pride parades where we're doing, you know, all sorts of um, events, whatever it may be, uh, they're able to help. And so I really feel like uh, at those moments, it's kind of this interesting thing where I'm tying not only my own identity, uh, but my work with the community, as well as inadvertently the way that I'm constantly having the 10 conversations in my head at all times, you know, together. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, look, those, all those people in my head are talking now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of really cool. So then That's I really feel cool. like I'm bringing that weird, you know, ivory tower of academia um, down to a practical level. And in an interesting way, it's sort of like free therapy uh, because... <laughs> Which is right, always good. Right? I'm feeding myself, right. I'm feeding other people, and I'm feeding, you know, my chosen career, which That's is great. education. And um, I've always cool. really felt like teaching was a form of activism, but now I'm really able to give back uh, to the community through the sisters, so... Did you always think you would be teaching and doing this type Never, of work? Never, no. What was not like at when all. you were like when you graduated or when you were eighteen and graduating high school? What did you think you were? I going wanted to, to be doing? a lawyer until okay. yeah, until I and so immediately okay. I did um, a an internship with ACLU in North Texas. I worked on their driving while black or brown program and started wow. uh, collecting statistics um, for racial profiling in Texas, which is actually where that program started and now is a national program. Okay. And uh, after working with attorneys, um, you know, I'd see them come to, you know, 
work with the ACLU, mm -hmm. like the nonprofit work at night. And I would ask them, you know, well, you know, what do you do during the day? You must be doing like great environmental law right. or, you know, this wonderful, like, you know, like, do you, do you go to the jails? Do you work in the prisons? Right. Yeah. And they looked at me like I was crazy, you know, and they said, absolutely not. I work in corporate law. I work in banking law. You know, right. I'm like selling my soul during the day just so I can come do this and refresh it at night. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you're kidding me. Like, I don't understand. You know, you're ruining my paradigm of, of justice here, you know? Right. And of course, then I would ask them all these questions about law school, you know, like, well, so when you go to law school, you learn all about justice, right? It's like Plato, isn't it? You know, and, and like Socrates. And oh. they're like, no, honey, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's, they crushed it. Yeah, they totally crushed it, yeah. And they said, um, no, in fact, it's more about like maintaining uh, the image of justice in a courtroom. And it's uh, more about winning an argument, which is definitely what I found out during the court martials, like of the Abu Ghraib right. court martials. So I was really glad I didn't go to law school. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely, right? Dollars, right? Well, I don't know, not many after I decided. So how many, how many, how many master's degrees do you have? Um, I have two master's degrees and a PhD. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you still in school at all? Are you, do you... Um, no, thank. I mean, okay. Well, basically, basically, they told me you've hit your loan maximum oh. for a lifetime, so you have to leave. I'm like, all you're right, done. yeah. They're like, you're Kicked done. Out. You're not getting any more loans. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah. really great. Yeah. Um, so you've also you've also attended tons of events yeah. in in New York City, all around the country. What are some of your favorite events that you've been to? in the recent years? Yeah, well, I was just, in the last few weeks, I was just at DragCon. Um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence did a panel at DragCon, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, there were sisters from all over the United States and Canada, in fact, at the panel, and I thought that was great. Uh, we plan on doing another one um, next year that I'm hoping will involve uh, youth and hopefully we'll be able to have a booth there as well. I've done the Austin International Drag Festival. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I was able to, uh, you know, see definitely see some of my performance mm -hmm. artist friends there. Um, I traveled with St. Peter DeVille, um, who does Dragula with the Boulet Brothers. Love um, yeah, it was so great. I mean, I was here, obviously, um, I guess it was a year oh, or so yes, ago. Oh, yes, yeah, okay. For Dragula we went, here. Was, oh, oh, yeah, that was when I came, went, was that Dracula? Oh, right. When Hedda Lettuce, when I when yeah. we traveled from, from the city with Hedda Lettuce and totally. Uber totally. Uh, with the hot dogs. Right, because it was, it was like in crazy. Brooklyn, right? right. At, um, I forget the space. It was cr that crazy space. It's yeah, like where Bushwick crazy. was the first year, I yeah. think. I when forget they the have name like, of it, but. It's, it's kind of nutty there. They, they're behind the stage area. It's literally right. just like a net. It's totally. Like I just, all it's I remember so, is there was a slide. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like it, it was, it's not the best for drag queens to be walking around in that space. Right, because there's like rocks. There's it's like nothing. train tracks. It's yeah. crazy. There's just yeah. like rocks and like things everywhere. But it just is such a cool space. Right. Um, right. So that's one of my favorite parties. It's a great party. Oh, secret projects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. a name like that would be like a really insane place to do a performance. But, but. I, re you know, some of the best spaces that I think, um, at least for performance art, are where I'm able to uh, really, you know, that really gets my mind thinking, I yeah. guess, about performance art, um, is definitely uh, in L.A. and in New York. Um, you know, I really like coming here. Uh, to kind of just see all my friends and right. see what they're doing. Um, in L.A., I can definitely name some spaces. I mean, uh, pretty much anything the Boulay Brothers do. Um, they have this event on Fridays now called um, Queen Kong. That's definitely one of the main, like, queer events that I, I really appreciate them okay. for hosting. Uh, they have Dragula, of course. 
and then um, uh, let's see. Oh, Whorehouse, uh, St. Peter Deville hosts an event once a month called Whorehouse. That's okay. really nice. Um, and San Francisco too. Um, pretty much anything Grace Towers does is amazing, and then Dark Room is also a really nice okay. event. So kind I've of never those. been to San Francisco. Ah, uh, you have this to go. Folsom. Like, we were just talking about it. Folsom is kind of nice. It's getting a little corporate, just like you know the the critiques of the LGBT. Right. Well, you could definitely wear assless chaps I guess I there. I do that here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but you know, no like the whole you know. the whole pink washing of <laughs> right. much of the LGBT event. Yeah. Um, they had the place. Urban Bear Festival this weekend in New uh, York, and it wasn't it wasn't so well attended. It was freezing outside for some reason. It was so cold. At the, mm-hmm. they have like an outdoor festival. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no assless chaps. Nothing. <laughs> it was like literally, it was bears like really well covered, wearing their hoodies. Bears with bear blankets. Uh, yeah, it was like it, yeah. It's, you know, it's hard because any opportunity I have to take my shirt off now, right. I'm like on it. Right. Um, I would also say, though, that a lot of the events that I do with the sisters um, are very rewarding, uh, you know, whether we're at like a marathon, the L.A. Marathon, um, you know, which obviously is not an LGBT event. Right. It's just right. like an actual, you know, L.A. event uh, where people are recognizing you or maybe not even knowing who you are um, or even at DragCon, uh, you know, where, you know, families are coming up to you and appreciating just that you're there and also right. not even knowing who you are. What is that? What is that like? Because when I've seen the first time I saw the sisters of perpetual indulgence, you know, it's it's white face and it's, I, you know, I'm like they all look similar but mm-hmm. different. They're they're supposed to be together, but I'm not sure what like what's happening. You know, right. I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, I did some research and I figured it out. But what is like what is that conversation like to someone who is not queer identified and doesn't know? Right. What, what you're doing. I mean, how do you explain the group to them? Definitely. Um, so we are a queer order of nuns. Um, yes. The San Francisco, it, it, we started in San Francisco uh, in about 30 years ago, and the L.A. house is about 20 years old now. And so um, my mentor, mother, she doesn't like to be called that, so I guess my sister <laughs> is Sister Unity. It she's the, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> she's the orange nun. And uh, she's basically taught me that uh, the whole point of our existence is to erase stigmatic guilt around uh, identities. Okay. So I think initially this started with identities um, such as with ACT UP that were associated with HIV positive identities. And that's definitely one of our mission um, goals, but it also is extended to really any LGBT identity or any kind of identity where someone needs to feel okay about themselves. Um, The kind of mission statement is, hey, if we can go out looking like you know, painted clowns in nun habits, <laughs> um, you can go and be the fabulous, wonderful creation that you are in this world. Right. And so the point is to go out, take a stand, and, you know, be amazing um, in a kind of protest moment um, for others to sort of feel empowered to do the same. And so, yes, it's political um, just by the sake of, you know, existing, I would say. Uh, But it's also sort of a moment to kind of also reflect on the history Mm -hmm. of, you know, what 
uh, LGBT folks have gone through. And I think each house kind of maybe has, well, does definitely have a different history based on the context that the house exists in. Um, You know, like the San Francisco house maybe has some different politics uh, that, you know, have happened in San Francisco. The LA house has different politics based on, right, right, like the context of LA. Um, Toronto house, right, same thing. But what unites us um, is that we are sisters. Uh, now, so we look cool. different because we have different um, headpieces. Okay. Uh, but, right, we are all um, nuns, let's say. <laughs> so were the headpieces different based on the region? Based on the city. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's The other thing is that you, there's not many cisgendered women in this organization. Correct. How um, many, do, do you know, do you know a number on how many there are? I know in... I just know about the L.A. house. Okay. Um, I just know, too. I know you and Bambi galore. Yeah, um, and that's, that's funny because I just met Bambi uh, this last weekend. Um, so I actually know three okay. um, female-identified sisters. And so uh, I know I'm a queer female-identified sister in the L.A. house. We have a heterosexual female cisgender, I believe that's how she identifies. Okay in the LA house and then Bambi, but I don't know anything about her identity. Wow, so, that's really cool. Yeah. So what's the process for becoming involved? Oh yeah, definitely. So there are, just like being a, an actual nun, <laughs> there are different um, stages basically. First you're an aspirant, and that okay. means that you're aspiring to be a sister of perpetual indulgence. Then you are a postulant, and uh, you basically have to attend a certain amount of events. You have to be, you have to manifest, which means be in face. This sounds like a sorority. Uh, Pretty much. I don't know if that's like a bad Um, comparison. It just seems like it's... Yeah, I think the difference between this and a sorority is that um, one thing that's really important to the sisters is that we relate to each other in terms of um, what... uh, the LGBT leader, um, Harry Hay, would say is an eye-to-eye or a self-to-self kind of um, exchange, meaning we view each other as equals. And so there's not really... That's definitely a difference. Right? (laughs) Right? Um, And so while there may be hazing, right? Right. It's all kind of silly hazing, right? Like, so, you know, you can't wear glitter. For the L.A. house, right? You can't wear glitter on your face, right? It's like, oh, no. No, as until you you are... Right? Right? Until you are, I believe, a novice. Um, Or maybe, yeah, a novice. Um, So uh, then you're a postulant. Then you have to do, then you're a novice and you have to do a novice project. So my novice project was for a friend of mine um, who passed away. His name was Ryan Rory. He was a drag queen by the name of Killer in L.A. And he passed away unexpectedly and his family put together a nonprofit foundation for him um, where they would uh, basically sponsor an educational opportunity in the form of you know, like a small college grant for okay. a person that wanted to go study the arts. Um, so we did kind of, um, I helped put together an event that would launch the Ryan Rory Foundation in LA. 
So we had drag queens performing, we had um, an art auction, and we had other people that made donations. And so we did this like amazing event that's that really night. Cool. Yeah, that and the now that, that sounds like a mitzvah before you have totally, a mitzvah. Totally, right? Totally. You do your projects, your community right. service. So it's basically your that's project. Great. Right. So I mean, everything, when I say you have to manifest for something, you're manifesting for okay. a community service project. How long does it take um, from the start of when you, you know, enter the organization involvement right. to So right now I'm a novice okay. and next month I will be a fully professed sister or a black veil which means I can wow. wear any color veil on my um, headpiece or my we call it a hoobie doobie okay. <laughs> it's a not even a real word <laughs> um, and so that has taken me uh, about a year and a half but it can take anyone you know okay. as, as much time as they need to you know put into it um, you know, we all have different work schedules. We all have different lives, different commitments. That's really cool. Um, so you kind of do it as you can. And, uh, yeah, it's been, I can't wow. tell you how rewarding it's been. Um, I've met a lot of different types of people. And putting in the time has been something that uh, I just, there's really no way to explain the kind of reward that it has brought. I mean, I've found a community. I have found um you know, people that have kind of the same ideals, even people that have different uh, ways that they approach those ideals that I have been able to work with. I've been able to pull some of my friends into some of our projects. Like we have this thing called Project Nunway. Uh, so where, cool. I've seen yeah, photos from It was really cool. And I mean, we were able to raise almost like, I think it was twenty or $25,000 for um, HIV AIDS um, resources for LA. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Sprinkles was able to be one of our uh, donors. The Gorgeous Project was able to be one of our donors. My friend Christopher Logan That's was great. a donor. Oh, Christopher Logan. Yeah, with the drag book. Yes. Um, Chip Cirrhosis uh, made my whole outfit that I was able That's to walk great. in the... Um, you know, collaborate the fashion. with so many other people. Yeah, in wow. really like cool. down the runway. They should do that in New York. They don't do the project runway here. Um, I don't know. Each house does it differently. Ugh. But I mean, one of the things that I gained out of being in Project uh, Nunway <laughs> was the idea that oh my god, I can walk down a runway and be oh fantastic. God, I like fall. I never thought That's I incredible. could do that. That's you really know, cool. like I never thought. So it's just it's rewarding on so many That's levels. Cool. I can't even tell you. So when do you sleep? Like you do, right. like for real. Like I'm you wondering. Do, you're always doing, like, I, you're doing so I know. much you, between teaching. I mean, are you, is, is school done right now? Um, we are just finishing up exams. My grades are due on Monday, and I'm sort of wondering when that's going to get okay. done. But yeah, because well, mm -hmm. of course this weekend is yeah. Long Beach Pride, so yeah. Oh, so you're heading back, you're heading back tomorrow. Friday. I head back Friday. Okay. The, uh, the Cure concert's Friday night, so I'm uh, going to that. I'm going to pretend I'm 15 God, again. Love it. And then uh, Long Beach Pride is this weekend. So, yeah, I'm not 100% sure when I'm going to grade or sleep for those mat that Amazing. matter. Amazing. Yeah. So, so, you know, just to wrap up, um, you've really created a, a you know, a, a, a job for yourself you yes. know, as a professor where you've really just included things that you enjoy and that yeah. you really stand for. Yeah. What advice could you give to someone who is really struggling to, you know, put themselves in what they stand for into their work, but they're really having trouble, you know, finding a place for that? Definitely. Um, I think I found myself in that same predicament okay. where I was thinking, you know, how do I make this mine? How do I put my mark on this? And how do I feel meaningful, like personally, right. professionally? And just, you know, on the inside, like, how do I wake up and think like, oh my gosh, I did a good job today. And, uh, or, you know, at the end of the day, feel right. that, you know, sense of accomplishment and just, 
I don't know, feel good about myself. And my advice would be to make it your own. And for me, making it my own is to live with possibility. Um, I don't accept things that people tell me that I am or that should be that way. I'm mm -hmm. constantly asking questions. I'm constantly saying, hmm, I don't know. That doesn't work for me, <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, making it your own is, uh, yeah, it's hard. Um, sometimes people look at you strange. Most of the times people look at me strange and I'm okay with that. And I don't really take that in. Um, I just sort of uh, kind of keep going. And I think my advice would be, uh, by making it your own, you're not just, you know, doing, also existing in a community, right? Like, so when you're making it your own and you're existing in a community, you're kind of, it, it's sort of, like I was joking before, it's free therapy, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're giving, but you're also giving to yourself. So, and you don't even realize you're doing that, right? Because even though you're exhausted, like you're saying, when do I sleep? You're right. When do I sleep? I don't know. <laughs> but you enjoy doing what you're you doing. You enjoy right? it so much that you're just like, oh, okay, that was kind of great. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you're giving to others, but you don't even realize that you're giving to yourself at the same time. That's so, amazing. yeah. So Good where stuff. can we, where can we find you on the internet? Um, so I'm on Facebook under Ryan Ashley Caldwell. I'm on Instagram as Drag Professor, Twitter as Drag Professor, and uh, my website. Um, I'm going to start a blog this summer. It's dragprofessor.com. Amazing. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on Mr. Yes. Rex Talk Sex. And I look forward to everything that you're doing and your book that will be coming out. When yes. will your book be coming out? Um, I am only a couple chapters into it, so I don't even have a title yet. Okay, but so there's no date. <laughs> yeah, no so date. So check yet. your website and your blog, and exactly. we'll have information about exactly. everything you're doing yes. in the future. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having me.